Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Sean Stemley. Now, he worked as a heavy equipment operator growing up with the family business back in Evansville, Indiana. In 2017, he made the sort of abrupt decision to move to Nashville to chase a career in country music. He gave himself three years to get a record deal. He did that. Luckily, he didn't have to move home and he has been building on his success year after year and release after release. So please enjoy our conversation with Sean Stemley. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. How is number 27 going? It's going good so far. Um, from what I remember, at least. I don't know. <laughs> so were you back home this weekend? Yeah, I went back up to see my my mom, my friends, and, and my, my dad, and my grandma, and all them. So, yeah, it was good. So how does that go when you're back home these days? Is it a big celebration, or are you home enough that it's still a normal thing to have you at home? Uh, I mean, I don't really go home a whole lot, but it's it's like spaced out enough to where every time i come back it's like a celebration yeah <laughs> man it's, it's like, like once every like three months i'd say something like oh, that. okay nice yeah. and i saw a post on your instagram with your stepdad now yeah. how does the family dynamics go did your parents separate when you were younger or is that something that happened when you were older uh they never like were married or anything uh, oh, but they, okay. they separated whenever i was like one. Oh, okay uh, so yeah, that's, that's never been, like, they've never really been together, like, as far as I can remember, as far as I've been alive, you know. So it's not something that necessarily affected your music, like, happening when you were, like, in your teenage years and, and throwing that into your songwriting or anything? No, no, I just, I was just an only child with split up parents, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, they, I don't. I'm glad they didn't get married or anything because they do not get along. So, oh, really? It probably was the best thing to, to have them separate. <laughs> and your songwriting, you were in a songwriting session this morning, I believe. Yep. How did yep. that go? Great. Great. We were just finishing, finishing one that uh, we've been working on for a little bit. And sometimes you got to go back to them and, and come back with a fresh mind. <laughs> we do those at like 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was. It's been good, man. It's been a been an easy day. So that's always good. And with your songwriting, you've been at it for what about four years now since you moved to Nashville. Now, how has that changed? What is the feeling like from day one when you were stepping into a writer's room to now stepping into a writer's room? Can you describe those two feelings? Um. Yeah, I mean, back then I really didn't know what I was doing at all. And I was just trying to learn like the basics and, and all this and just like writing with whoever would write with me. And then, you know, it kind of grew, especially after Georgia, it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. And whenever we got a pub deal, you know, and then they put you in those rooms with the elites and like the dudes that are seasoned and all that. And I, whenever I signed that deal, I sat down and just listened to them and just learned. So I kind of just learned how they do things and, and, fed off them the way that their cadences and their melodies and how they come up with ideas and all that. And, and I, I uh, did that for 
there a bit of a year and a half. And then I started to really like, be like, all right, this is what I want to do. Like, this is like th this type of writing style is what I want. And, and that's kind of where that came from. So now it's like from then to now it's day and night. Back then it was just like, write whatever sounds cool. And now it's like you, we go in and we know exactly what to do usually. And was it difficult to build that confidence of saying in the writer's room what you thought and the way that you wanted it to be, if it was going to be your song, like throwing in, no, that's not the way I would say this. This is how I have to say this. Oh, yeah. Does that, is that difficult gaining that yes. confidence? That was one of the hardest parts of it all because I've never been like the type of dude to express my emotions and all that stuff. And, and I feel like I've naturally used music as an outlet for that kind of stuff. And that, that right there was like hard to get used to, you know, just like being vulnerable with people that you barely even know, especially like writers that you haven't written with that much. Um, and not thinking that every idea that you have is stupid because usually the stupid ones are the ones that you use and then they create the bigger songs. But um, yeah, just building confidence in a writer's room is something that a lot of people never, never can accomplish. So if you get past that part, I feel like that's whenever you really start discovering yourself, like as, as a songwriter. Right. And you started at your mom's kitchen table. Now, when did that start? Can you remember the first song that you put together, like from front to back? Fade, a song called Fading Away. Yeah. That was my first one that I actually like completely wrote all like completely by myself did guitar parts and all that stuff and that was about maybe six months before i moved to nashville something like that okay but yeah that was the that was the very first one and i, and I put it out and um it's just it did its thing and you know it wasn't the one that popped but it was it was the one that like taught me that i could that i could do it by myself you know and so how crazy is that for you to know that Along this journey, the first song that you wrote is a song that you put out. It's not like you were writing for two, three years of just, you know, little silly songs that were thrown to the side, but you were at a point so quickly that it's like, I wrote a song, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something like, is it's crazy at first? And then after you just do it for a while, it's like any other job. It just doesn't seem like it's, a big deal anymore but <laughs> then whenever like you go out and play these shows and people tell you like the impact that you have on them just from doing this you're like holy crap like this took me an hour <laughs> it's just nuts i mean it's it's pretty cool like the, the effect that that we have on people just by doing that stuff but yeah man um it's uh it's it's cool man I'm, i i wrote fading away whenever my, my mom was at the grocery store and she came back and I had it wrote. Like, what do you think about this? She's like, oh, oh yeah. And I told her it was about an ex that she hated. And then she was like, well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was going to ask. You say your mom was at the grocery store. Were there ever any songs while you were still living there that you wrote that your parents had like any hand in? Like you were sitting there and you're like, oh, I can't think of what to say here. And they kind of threw in their little comments and they actually stuck. Um. There's a couple times because my stepdad plays a little bit. So there's a couple times where I go down there and just jam with him a little bit. But as far as writing goes, usually they were already in bed sleeping by the time I did that. Right. Was, I mean, I, I had to work all day as well. And then I went home and, and wrote all night until I felt like I accomplished something. Then I'd go to bed for a couple hours and go back to work. 
<laughs> so yeah, usually all that was while they were in bed. It was like midnight every single day. <laughs> and looking back on it, you say getting a couple hours of sleep. It doesn't really seem all that safe that you get a couple hours of sleep and then you go and drive these big heavy machines. <laughs> well, that's what they make coffee for, you know. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of a lot of coffee and nicotine, man. That's about that's about all that kept me going back then. But that was it, it did get tiring. That was whenever I was like, I have to make a choice. I gotta either do this or that. I can't keep doing both. So I talked to my dad about it and I was scared to death to talk to him about it because he's always been hard on me and he's super like tough dude or whatever. But he was like, Well, you might as well do it while you're young. And I was not expecting that. So I was like, <laughs> Okay, or whatever. That's that's why I moved here. Oh wow. And you say that your your stepdad played a bit. And so how did that play in to when you were young? Like, would he grab the guitar and play at night or play around the campfire or anything like that? Or was that something that he did on the side? Uh, I mean, he's only been in my life since I was like 18. So I didn't really, I didn't grow up with him, but. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, ever since I've known him, I, I, he's just sat there and, and picked a little bit and then he picks on mandolin and banjo a little bit. And I never really thought to play as well until I was like 22. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that definitely had an impact on like why I started to play a little bit was because of him. Like he would we'd sit around and he'd do all that old school like Hank Williams type stuff, and, and I'm like, well, there's that's not how they played on country radio. I'm I'm gonna learn that way. So <laughs> we kind of like split our directions right there. <laughs> right. And we still like I was back home. We still play completely different. We're just sitting there passing the guitar back and forth, and it's just totally because he's like sixties. 66 67 so he plays all that old school stuff but it's fun to to sit there and and uh do that with him at this point just because it's it's totally different now than it was back then but. right and as far as the singing goes i know that you developed that in the tractor but you did sing at church when you were younger right yeah yeah after the after the tractor thing i i went to uh, i started going to church and then i eventually decided to, to join the vocal team there and got my got my stage boots broken in on there so I mean it, it was a big church so it kind of taught me a lot about stage fright and like how not to get it because we had 5,000 members oh, so wow. we uh it'd be 2,500 people per service usually and then we'd have our Easter's at um at arenas so the arena thing was was a blessing in disguise for sure because it i remember the first time i ever played in church for at an arena and it was scary so it made that first time in country music like just kind of normal and so what age were you when you joined the church group then oh i was 19 uh, oh, okay. 20 20 yeah okay so that was after you got the bug it wasn't something you did like back when you were nine or ten no, I had no idea I could do anything with music until I was almost 20 years old. I was just a country fan. I mean, in rock and every, pretty much everything, honestly. But as far as like what I knew that I that I could sing, it just began as country because I just have a twang my voice and all that. And I was like, I can't really, I can't really like get away with singing anything else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try this, and it's been cool because I've been able to blend rock and country together kind of like both of the things that I grew up on and and that's kind of what I've developed with like my style of it 
Yeah. And how cool has it been working with Joy Moy in connecting those two because of his past in working in the rock genre and the country genre? Is he like the best guy to work with to meld those two together? He is. He is. And, and um, you know, he, he he did everything for Nickelback and that, that right there sold me. <laughs> I remember saving up my allowance to go buy Nickelback records. I mean, it's that, that, that was like the, the thing about him that really stuck out to me before I met him. And then after I met him, we started talking about coal mining and all that. And he used to do that stuff. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like you're such a good partner. And he just like, he pushes me to be better and better. He's, he's hard on me, you know, he's hard on all of us, but in, in a good way though, like he wants us to be better and better all the time. And, um, you know, it feels like I'm back home whenever I'm working with, with everybody at Big Loud, just because they all are like, kind of like how I was brought up, you know, every, like you always push and push and push and push and push. And, and that's, that's the kind of dude that I remember, like that I'll remember Joey as, you know, after getting to know him. And so how important is that upbringing that you had in getting into this career? If you would have had a easier upbringing of not being pushed as much, and then you jump into the studio with someone like Joey, would it be a lot more intimidating for you? Do you think if you hadn't had been pushed growing up? Oh, it absolutely would be. It would be a totally different world. If I, if, if everything that happened in my childhood wouldn't happen, I wouldn't, have gone through the stuff I went through and all that, I, I wouldn't be here. So, um, you know, it, my, my dad, my grandpa, especially pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And there was days that I just wanted to cuss them out every single day. And, and back then you don't understand, but then whenever you're an adult, you're like, wow, they taught me how the real world works. Nobody's handing you stuff. Like nobody, like there is no, n- nobody feels sorry for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, this is like a harsh, especially in this industry too. It's harsh. Like, and if you don't, if you don't outwork people, then good luck. So um, that's, that's what I brought to Nashville with me. I think, you know, whenever people ask me how I got a record deal so fast, that's what I tell them every time. It's, it's, you don't have to be the best singer in the world or any, the best in anything. If you work harder than everybody, then you're going to make it. That's just how, that's how it is. Like you got to have that drive here and it's, it's easy to quit too. That's another thing. It's so easy to just quit and go home. And uh if, if you can push through any of that stuff, then you're good in Nashville. And your grandpa, you have his initials tattooed on your arm. What did he mean for you growing up and just the man that he was in helping develop who you are today and the ability to live this career that you're living? Um, I mean, pretty much, he pretty much shaped me into the man I am, honestly. I mean, I spent, you know, me and my grandpa, we didn't have a normal like thing where it's like we go visit every once in a while or whatever. Like we work together every single day. So from the time I was 15, 14 to, but to the day I moved to Nashville, we spent every single day just about together. And he, uh, you know, he would yell at me and cuss at me if I did this and that wrong. And if I didn't have this perfect or that perfect, if I didn't have anything from washing windows to, to, doing million dollar jobs, you know, in the dirt. And he was just like, he would always tell me like, it don't matter what you do. You got to strive to be the best at it. No matter what. He's like, I don't give it if you're flipping burgers. I don't give what you're doing. And that always like stuck with me because it back then it scared the crap out of me because he was <laughs> yelling and whatnot. But you go, I understand why he did it. 
So, um, yeah, my grandpa, he shaped me. He's definitely responsible for, for this, honestly. He really is. And I, I wish he was here, but I you know, and, and um, there were several things that I wanted to accomplish before he passed, but it just, it didn't happen, but I know he's, he's watching. So pretty good. And you talk about him saying that you do your best, no matter what you do now, obviously growing up, you were sort of groomed for the family business, but when you told him that you wanted to chase country music, what did he think? Did he think, no, I want you working at the family business? Or did he say, you know what, go do it. But if you're going to do it, just work your ass off doing it. Yeah, I wouldn't like that at first. It was, I mean, I could definitely tell that he was a little bit disappointed um, because I was the only, I'm the only one that can take that, biz- that place over that's got the last name and whatnot. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, I was an only child. My dad only had one kid and then my aunt. Um, they done moved away. They live in North Carolina. So I was the only one that could take that place over and, uh, for my dad, which my dad's almost 60. So, I mean, he ain't gonna be working forever either, but yeah, he, uh, I definitely could see the frustration in his face whenever I heard. And then it, it always like, everything always was harder to prove to him because he was more of a do guy. Like he, you can talk all you want, but unless you did something, he was like, very on the fence about everything you know what i'm saying right yeah so i understood that you know why he was like that and then i was like okay i'm gonna go do this if i can't do this in three years in nashville then i'm moving back and i'll take over your company that's what i told him and um i remember the day that i got a record deal he called me and he said well i guess you're not coming back i was like yeah yeah, Grandpa, I'm sorry. He's like, no, don't be. I'm proud of you. And then that was from from the time I accomplished something here up until the day he died. He was always it's, it was always a, a different thing. He was always proud and called me every day. Let's say, how's my buddy doing? You know, like this and that. Always asked like how the industry works, and he never understood a dang thing. But he tried. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd always ask me, "You met? Have you met Reba yet? Have you met Reba yet?" Oh, tell her I said hi when you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but man, it's uh, it's crazy like the effect that, that people like that can have on you, you know, just one person. Yeah, what did it mean that day when he calls you and sort of says, I guess you're staying there, like sort of congratulations, like that acceptance from him of what you were doing, what did that mean to you at the time? Um, it meant everything to me because I spent my whole life trying to make him proud of me. So, and I was always the black cat grandchild, but, um, man, that, that, that right there was like, okay, I'll prove to him that, that I can do this. So after that, it's like, I'm just doing my thing now, you know, now I proved to him, he comes to the shows and enjoys himself every time we go back there. That was, that was accomplished. Um, so that that was honestly like what drove me the most whenever I came here. I was like, I, I got to get this done because if not, my grandpa's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> but yeah, man, that, that right there was, was the most memorable moment that I've had in Nashville. No doubt. That's awesome. And now at the beginning, you join the church group, you sort of get your chops on stage. And then I believe you spent what, about eight months going back and forth from home to Nashville every weekend? Yeah. Um, I started that. My buddy, Austin Peckham, uh, I had never even been in Nashville before. And we were just 
hanging out and, and playing and singing a little bit. And he goes, he goes, what do you think about coming to Nashville to write songs? I'm like, dude, I can't write songs. What do you mean? I can't do that. Stuff. He's like, dude, you'd be surprised. Like, just come, come with me. I got a couple people I want you to meet. So we came down here and uh, we went to the listening room at the old location. And I sat there and listened to those dudes play their songs. And I was like, these dudes make this. This is incredible. Like, they just make this out of nothing. And then that was whenever I started going back home and writing every night. Um, and, you know, me and Austin would come back here every other weekend or so. And uh, whenever I didn't have to work on weekends. But we would uh, we'd come back here and, and I met more and more. I'd go to Losers and Red Door and all that and meet this person. And, that, and then they knew this person. They knew that person. And then it, it just builds a network. And by the time I moved here, I had a little network going on already. So that kind of gave me the advantage a little bit. Right. And so did that give you the confidence to move there, those trips? Or would you have moved there anyways, do you think? I think just say it's a combination of like everything that all the sequences and everything that took place that kind of convinced me because it took a lot of convincing. Austin especially had to convince me. He was like, dude, just do it. I was like, no, man, I make good money here. I got a, I got a decent life. I work, you know, I work for my dad, my grandpa. Like, I, I'm going to have my own company. Like, and he convinced me to, to just take the jump. You know, by the, by the time we had worked together for a while, he was, he was like, dude, you have to try this. And, um, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for Austin, I would have never, probably never done it because it's a scary thing whenever you're just from a small town and, and nobody else from where I'm from does that that's from where I'm from does country music um we got one dude who's in the in the pop industry he's getting some success but um we don't have anybody and I there was never like whenever I was growing up there was never anybody that did it so it's all new to all them and me so it's it was a scary thing you know you're getting out of your small town comfort zone and your job that you got every single day you're you know waking up at 5 30 coming home at 5 30 at night you know you know and then moving here and not having a guaranteed income that was the scariest part was there one moment you can remember where you were finally like okay i'm moving or was it just a string of slowly building up and then it just happened or was there one conversation you can remember where you finally went fine let's do it yeah um it was a conversation with my mom and I'd been coming back and forth and all that. And I was like, I was like, mom, I'm scared to tell dad like about this. She was like, she told me like, if you want to do, if you want to do that, it's your life. Nobody, it's nobody else's life. And if they can't understand that, then that's on them. She was like, it's your life though. You do whatever you want. She was like, I'm going to miss the hell out of you. But I know if you're happy, blah, blah. And that, that kind of, that conversation from her kind of, I was like, all right, cool. Let's go. You know, little mom pet talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And was that one of the hardest parts when you actually got to Nashville was missing your family and not having them around like there to support you? Yeah, it was definitely a weird adjustment because I'd been a 10 minute drive from my entire, well, almost my entire family, my whole life. So you go from that to two and a half hours or three hours or whatever it is. And and it's like, oh shoot, like I'm by myself. Like there is no other, there is no other people from where I'm from here. And that that was a little bit weird, but it only took me a few weeks to get, get adjusted though. 
I had I had such a good support system and and a friends group by the time I moved here. I mean, I, and a lot of them are still my friends, and they helped me through everything. So I, I got super lucky with with the support that I had from from the start. And how important has that been? within this country music genre because i know right now you have a track on hicks tape volume two and so what does that sort of brotherhood and that friendship circle and that community what has that meant for you throughout this entire journey and having those people to support you no matter where you are along the journey um i mean it means everything i mean it just anywhere from buddies back home to, you know, other artists now at this point, you know, you, you get to a certain point in, in a country music career where the other artists start to be your friends that you listen to. And, and like from high school to, to, to a year ago, they're your friends now. And that, that part has been cool. Um, seeing them just like talk about my stuff. I'm just like, what, why are we talking about my music right now? Um, from that man to, to, you know, the buddies back home that I got, you know, I, I hired one of them as my tour manager. Yeah. I was going to ask Philip, you, you brought him out. How long have you known him for? Um, Hey, Phil, how long have we known each other? <laughs> Since 2015. <laughs> He's got a better memory than me. I just remember lyrics. That's about it. But yeah, we've been buddies since, since then. And, and, uh, you know, they, I had a, a tour manager sit me down and I was asking him about tour manager stuff just because I knew I wanted to hire somebody. And he goes, he goes, man, honestly, if there's anybody back home, try them. He was like, because sometimes your best tour managers are your best friends at first because they know you so well already. And you know, you can spend all that time with them. And I was like, shoot, I got one that's not married with kids. Let's go. <laughs> so he, uh, he was helping me clean my grandpa's um, barn out. And I was like, man, what do you think about coming to Nashville and, and, and doing this? And he was in the pipelining industry at the time. And he said, yes. And I was like, wait, he said, yes. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was like, all right, well, I'll let you know when. And that's, it's been like that ever since. I mean, he came in during COVID. So, I mean, it's been, I wish, it would have been like touring was in 2019 because then he could have got a real taste of what it's like. But the COVID thing has been rough. Um, I mean, we're playing as many shows as we can, but that that's just been a nightmare as far as touring goes. So he, he'll get his he'll get his uh, he'll get his experience in. But it, it's been we did go on the road for 22 days and through the West. Right. Um, me and him. We drove it all. Oh, yeah. Right. I was going to ask you. That was a lot of miles we put on there. Yeah. Ninety three hundred. 9,300. Yeah. But we got to, we got to see a bunch of cool stuff and, and all that, but man, we were ready to be home at the end of that. I'll tell you. I bet. That was a lot, but it, it, the kind of, that's the ultimate test for him because we're not always going to be in a van. I mean, it'll be easy one day and we'll, we'll look back and be like, damn, man, remember that time we drove across the country twice in a van? Like, I miss those days. Like, that's what I told him the whole time. Like, you're going to miss it one day. We're just like tired as heck driving through the night. We're going to miss it one day, man. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's, it's been a cool experience so far. And, and, uh, the dude was right whenever he said that your, your best buddies make your, make the best tour managers because it's, you know, that you can spend that much time with them already without going nuts. You know? Right. So, Talking about touring, you toured with Hardy a few years ago. Was that sort of your first big tour? that you went out on 
Uh, yes. That was the first like actual tour. I mean, I had opened for people before, but like yeah. an actual like set tour. Yeah, that was that was the first one. And and I couldn't ask for a better camp to be with. You know, we're all still friends. So it, um, his camp, you know, I watched them grow from a band to they got tour, two tour buses now. Whenever we first started with him, Hardy was flying to the gigs and, and his band was driving a van. And I, I literally watched them grow on that tour. And I remember their first bus. And we were all so excited for them and they were all hyped up. It was like an older one. And it, it's been cool just watching that whole that whole camp grow like that. And he's he's kept just about all of them through the, the whole thing. So um yeah, Hardy was he inspired the crap out of me just every single day, just watching him grow as a performer and as a writer. Um he, ins- he inspired me and and I'm you know I, I hope every day to be half the songwriter he is but um man yeah we're, we're me and him are still friends and label mates obviously so it's it's been cool watching that that's awesome and i wanted to ask you about a venue that you posted about in 2019 um the exit in mm-hmm. talk about that venue and you talked about it being sort of a bucket list venue for you and i looked it up and it looks really cool but it's not necessarily a venue that you hear a lot about. So what was it for you that was so great about playing that venue? Exodent is more of a, a Nashville kind of thing. Like when you move here, you hear about it. Oh, okay. And it's like one of those, one of those local places where like every legend has played at some point, but it's not like the Opry and all that. It's, it's like rock legends, country legends, like, you go back in the green room and there's stuff written all over the walls and all that. And like just history, there's so much history behind that venue. And um, when you move to Nashville, you, you hear about it and you want to get to the point where you can go play it. And that was, that was my time where I was like, that was the first time I've ever felt like I was like, dang, first buckle is venue. Let's go. And we checked off a bunch of them since then, but that was the first one that was like that. Yeah. But accident, they recently closed their doors. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, I think they might have got bought out by a new owner and they're going to reopen it, but I'm not sure. But I know they they closed. Oh, okay. That's too bad. Yeah, it's happened to a lot of a lot of them during this year, which is unfortunate, that's for sure. And you that's talk hard. about the history of venues that you've played. You were able to play the Ford Center with Justin Moore, and that has some history to it because you were actually on site when they were building that venue, right? Yeah, I was young. I was... 16, I think I was, I remember going out there and helping my dad with the pipe crew and, and taking grade for, for him and, and, the, and the guys and running parts out there. Cause I was too young to be a union operator at that point. So I couldn't do a whole lot on that job, but I, I helped them out with a bunch of things on it. And, and I never, I didn't know I could sing back then. So I didn't really think of anything of it back then, but I remember whenever I moved here, I was like, I have to play the Ford center. I have to. I have to just to prove to the whole city, you know, so that, that moment right there was super full circle. And I had already known that I was going to put out a song with Justin. So it's just like, and, and Justin was a huge influence on why I even started this stuff. I, I listened to his records all through high school and then all, all after I, the small town USA record was on repeat my entire like junior year of high school. So it was just a cool full circle moment, you know, because I remember riding every back road, around that entire county listening to his songs. So um, that, that was one of the coolest nights of my life, for sure. 
And how important is it to hold on to those moments? Because I talk to some artists and they sort of talk about the letdown almost because you have so much anticipation going to do these special moments, but then you do them and they're done. And so there's sort of a letdown of, oh, now that thing that I wanted to do is done. So now what's next? And so is it important to sort of keep that magic within you after you have those moments? Absolutely. It's short-term goals is what, is what I call it. We, we accomplish one thing and then I already got the next thing already. The minute after that's done, it's like play the forward center. All right, let's go to Red Rocks. Let's, let's go try to play that. Let's play the Ramen. Let's, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff. And, and as long as you keep a, a short-term goal list, in my opinion, the success will just build and build and build and build and build. And, and you know, as, as long as those goals are, above your last one <laughs> but yeah man that's you you have to or else you'll go crazy in this industry you always have to want something next you know right so and you talk about yeah building those goals you recently hit about 115 million streams over the past three years and your new song z21 got 11 million streams in less than 60 days. And so is it pretty cool every time you release a song to see that progression and see it do a little better and a little better and a little better every time you release something? It is. It is. And it's also cool to see, you know, on Spotify, like you watch monthly listeners go up. I look at that a lot just because I'm like, holy crap, there's a million people listening to this. That's crazy. <laughs> a million people. That's two million ears. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, it is cool watching those numbers grow because I remember whenever 10,000 was a big deal. I mean, I remember the day that Georgia hit 100,000. And I was like, oh, I look at my manager. I was like, dude, we got 100,000 streams. And now it's like, we do that in three days. Yeah. So it's like, it, I mean, really, and accumulative, we do that in about half a day. But it's like, it's just the watching the watching them grow like that, man, and and – knowing that I'm reaching that many people just through songs and, you know, help hopefully helping somebody with hard times or making their good time better, making them forget about some for three minutes, you know, that that's, that's the reason why I think it's special is because you get to do that. And we literally do this like for a living and I, you know, it's, it kind of gives me a purpose in life. So. And you post a lot of demos on uh, social media. Now, how important is that for you to have that outlet, but also how scary is it when you're posting something new that you're not sure how, it, how fans are going to react? I always test them on my friends first. <laughs> <laughs> I always make sure I test them. Um, you know, I send it to my manager and sometimes the label people and, um, you know, obviously Phil and, and my other roommate here and then, um, you know, just whoever I... I want, want to hear it and care about their opinion. And whenever it's all, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll be like, okay, I'm a bit online. But I do have to slow down on that stuff or else there's not, there's not going to be anything new for, for future projects. You know, I mean, there will be, but like, I want some things to be like, whenever the song comes out, that's the first time everybody hears it instead of leaking the entire demo first. Well, congratulations on everything. We know that your grandpa is up there looking down and, and smiling at all the success that you've had. I, I, dude, that means a lot to me. Thank you. That's, that's, yeah, I, I hope so. You know, so yeah, it's, uh, 
it's 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 coming along just fine. I think we'll be good. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and we'll look forward to talking to you again. All right, Brent. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Sean for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out his latest single, Z21, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. Thanks so much once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.